Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how are you doing? Feeling good. Feeling really, really smart right now, but at least my face is super clean, super clean. Uh, for the Just for some context, this is take two on the intro. I forgot to hit the record button, but it's all good. David and I made it through the month of November, raised $1,500, super smooth faces after a horrible month of enduring, beautifully disgusting facial hair. David, how are you doing? Pretty good. I walked out of my apartment this morning and I felt the breeze on my chin and it was just, it felt right. It felt right. Uh, I'm just not a bearded person, but uh, if if going bearded for the month of November means that POV crypto raises $1,500 for charities, uh, then in that case, I'll do it. Yeah, I have to give uh, the ETH side of the podcast props. Uh, y'all raised you know upwards of 1200 so definitely putting the team on your back. Uh, props to everyone that donated, though, including the Bitcoiners. Um, north of $400 at one point, but uh, the the price <laughs> decline over the course of November definitely didn't help the total when it came to USD. Hey, it's, it's only USD denominated until t- December 1st. So it wasn't USD denominated until then. But yeah, th- this is a pretty fun experiment. Uh, so hats off to the individual that donated five ETH on the 29th of November. Really uh, wait until the last minute to, to get your say in, but really, uh, really dominated the competition with that one there. Uh, so Christian, where do I think, where do you think I should donate your money to uh, Gitcoin grants to? I haven't really been looking around, but I'm sure you'll have a great time. David already should has Should we donate ether, to EPUB? So. Should I take your money and I should I give it to Eric Connor? That's probably what he was going for. He probably donated the five <laughs> ETH just because he knew you were going to give it right back to him. <laughs> now I see what was done. <laughs> it was revealed. <laughs> oh, the money just went full circle. See if I can trace it back on the chain if it comes from the EPUB donation. <laughs> donation address. <laughs> We're going to have to get to the bottom of this one. <laughs> but yeah, guys, this was episode 100. Thank you to everyone that has been around since day watching us just figure out how to do this podcast thing, you know? Uh, I feel like we started off really just complete amateurs. And here we are, episode 100, raising $1,500 uh, via cryptocurrency. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed. And I'm really impressed that we have sponsors too. Our first sponsor, mm-hmm. eToro. They've been sponsoring us for a long time and are committed to sponsoring POV Crypto, sponsoring other content creators, and mostly supporting Bitcoin and crypto since 2016. They are one of the finest crypto institutions around. They make it really, really easy for you to invest in Bitcoin and crypto the way that you want. You can buy your Bitcoin, you can buy your Ether, God, you can even buy Despicable XRP if you really want to, and you can do it in the way that you want to, whether that's one click in investing in some sort of an indexed, highly diversified portfolio, whether that's stacking sats, whether that is following a professional trader do their thing and copying their trades. eToro makes it super easy. You can get onto eToro using link b.tc backslash eToro POV b.tc backslash etoro pov it's also in the show notes if you don't want to try to type that out um but i'm sure at this point you have it memorized b.tc backslash etoro pov great great company highly recommend 
And then when you're done trading your despicable XRP on eToro, you can then move it over to Celsius.network and lend it out. Uh, Celsius Network's lending rates are, are pretty competitive. I think they're some of the best in crypto. You can check them out on their homepage at Celsius.network. Uh, but the, the rates for lending out stable coins on Celsius are a full like 2 to 4% higher than in DeFi. Uh, and their, the r huge range of assets that they have on their lending platform, I'm, I'm pretty sure is the most in, in, in the field. Uh, and so there's like multiple different stable coins out there um, and Ether, BTC, you know, XRP for all you XRP army people that listen to this podcast. None of uh, them do. I don't think any of them do. Good. So we can keep on shitting on it. XRP. <laughs> But if you use code POV to sign up at Celsius, you can get $10 of free Bitcoin. Um, so like I said, check out the rates. They're pretty competitive, Celsius.network. So this was an experiment, you guys. So if the format feels a little weird, that's because this was our very first, or actually it was a live stream, but it was the first live stream where we like planned it out. We mm -hmm. like, got some guests to come on. We handed out links. Uh, we interacted with people in the troll box. It was really cool. And the troll box was absolutely on fire. Y'all mm -hmm. were just getting after it. Both sides just trolling and chatting. And at some point there was like completely separate conversations happening in the troll box yeah, that were completely was. unrelated to our conversation. I was actually having a, a tough time like focusing on what <laughs> we were trying to talk about because there's like a whole nother world in there. But this was super, super fun. And we plan on doing a lot more live streams. So make sure to get on Periscope, on Twitter, on YouTube. You can find all of our live streams pretty much everywhere where you can stream video. Yeah, this was a ton of fun. Uh, and it was, it was fun seeing all the different personalities show up in that troll box. Like I would see some like classic Bitcoin or like Ansel hop into the live stream or to the troll box. And then I would see uh, anti-prosynthesis hop into the live stream like right after. And I'm like, oh shit, these people have never been in a room before. Uh, that was that was pretty fun to watch. Uh, handing out the links was pretty interesting as well. It was I don't think any podcast has brought on like four or five guests, uh, all each individually in one podcast. Uh, I think this this format really fits us well. So I think we're going to be doing a ton of this into the future. I think we settled on Sundays at five p.m. Uh, Christian, is that are we committing to that, or or do we need to think about that? Okay, we need to think about that a little bit more. Um, We'll, we'll try to, to hit for that, but we'll always be announcing it well in advance so y'all mm -hmm. can make room on the calendar on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you don't like about it. Uh, again, this was our first episode, so it's going to be a little bit rough around the edges, but it was still uh, a very fun and good conversation through and through. Okay, uh, so... We got, we got some boys in here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we we don't want to read our ads, so let's no, let's let's no, just no. skip that. Okay, so everyone, welcome to POV Crypto. Um, minimal viable decentralization is a um, it was an article I read a while ago that came before it talked about stuff before the whole crypto revolution, uh, and um, it was it was an article written about and during the crypto revolution, but about stuff before that, um, and and talked about how decentralization is. Uh, just a means to an end to achieve a goal. And if you decentralize more than what you need to, then things um, don't go so well. And so it, it brought up a couple examples, which I'm not prepared to talk about because I didn't memorize the article, but it talked about a couple of examples of 
things that uh, people would do uh, with technology that governments or some entity wouldn't be a fan of and because they were centralized that entity would come and stop them um, and there are all these options that people can uh, take to keep going with what they want to do and all of them uh, are on the decentralization spectrum but what the article uh, contests is that you should never go more decentralized than what you need to do, need to be in order to achieve your goal because any further decentralization is just going to kill user experience. And it brought up um, a number of examples that had two, uh, two possible paths that this technology could, could go. And people, users, always ended up using the minimally viable decentralized product because of its uh, optimum user experience. Uh, so that's kind of the topic I wanted to, wanted to, to bring up today. Any thoughts on that so far, Christian? I recently read a tweet and I forgot who said it, but it was like minimal viable decentralization is a scam. So <laughs> of course it's a scam, huge scam. So Scamming everyone out of all of their money. I don't actually hundred percent agree with that. Um, I do think that <laughs> you don't hundred percent agree that it's a scam. What well, I think it just depends on the, no, no I, I'm not calling it a scam. I was just trying to come in here guns blazing. Um, this idea of like what, how much decentralization is needed to create censorship resistance and, um, you know, in, in a robust system like that, that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, I would say that when it comes like that question is really important depending on like, what's the context, right? Like, are we talking about money? Are we talking about a social media platform? Like, what are we talking about? I would say that when it comes to like a crypto money, uh, I don't know if there is a minimal viable decentralization. I think it's either a decentralized network that is getting more decentralized and has a lot of stakeholders or decentralized one and there are attack vectors. Um, but it, when it's something else, like I totally think that like maybe like a banking or some sort of exchange infrastructure, like it doesn't have to be 100% centralized. It could be or decentralized. It could be some sort of like a um what's uh what like what's liquid liquid is uh there there's like a committee of like 10 different people right so it's all like split up right it's a federation exactly so mm -hmm. like you know there's like papers talking about like how strong a federation can be and stuff like that um so i definitely think that there's definitely a scale and uh what is necessary for certain things is not 100 percent decentralization but when it comes to money you probably want that to be hundred percent, like very, very, it's decentralized as possible on, yeah. on many spectrums. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is like, so there, there's two polarities here and for, and this is what the article was talking about. I think it, it was, it, it was initially taught uh, a music streaming service, kind of like an early pirate Bay, early Napster kind of thing. Um, and that makes sense to be minimally, Minimal viable, decentralized, minimally, minimally viable, whatever, um, and that's that's because like the the costs of becoming more decentralized just hinder the product. But you're saying that that's true for all, perhaps all things except for money. When money might be that this one thing where this rule doesn't apply, more minimal viable decentralization doesn't apply, and we should we should ask. Do you think that like? this the thing that is maximally decentralized becomes the money or or that the money should or ought to be maximally decentralized like is there an order of operations here 
Well, I guess like if you are going to design like a uncorruptible money network, mm -hmm. then you would probably want to design it to just get more decentralized over time. It's, it's like, it's kind of like, what's the right inflation rate? Also, like what's the right decentralization level mm -hmm. to be uncorruptible? If that's what your goal is, right? Mm -hmm. um, if like personally, like when they talk about UX, like I think like, yeah, okay, of course using Bitcoin on chain is going to have some like difficult UX hurdles, but at the same time, like I don't expect most people to use Bitcoin on chain. So I'm not even really thinking about um, how do you make on chain the best experience possible? I'm assuming that in the future, um, there's going to, you know, there's going to be more centralized levels above on chain Bitcoin uh, that most people will be interacting with. Um, on the flip side, though, like what the maximally decentralized base layer does is, is it makes a corruptible unit that can be referenced anywhere, right? You can reference it on, so, on a completely centralized app. You can reference it on a, you know, on a Urbit network that is, you know, everyone's hosting their own personal computer and uh, everyone holds their own data. Like, who knows? Like, it's just, it all does is it proves the unit exists and it's uncorruptible. Um, so, like, I don't know, like, the unit if you're trying to, if you're trying to create some other sort of system, I don't know what is the necessary decentralization that needs to be there. And I would say that's a criticism towards Ethereum and dApps. Like, maybe a lot of these dApps like, of course, they're like fighting all these hurdles because they're trying to decentralize something that doesn't even necessarily need to be decentralized uh, to be censorship persistent, per se. Yeah. And, and this is what I've thought a lot about recently. And we mentioned this the last live stream we did is um, all of these dApps on top of Ethereum. First off, the name dApp is bad. So we should move on from that. Um, and uh, probably and, not going to. Yeah, probably not. But I've also I'm of the opinion it doesn't really matter. Uh, names are names, and things are things other than names. Um, but like, so all these DApps on top of Ethereum, all these applications, uh, we've we've all been super obsessed with decentralizing them because that's what this whole industry is is obsessed with. It's obsessed with the word decentralized, and it thinks that like decentralization equal good and decentralizes our holy jesus and decentralized 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 like is it decentralized um and we've we've had this fascination with like okay so these teams build this product and then the next question that they are are asked is like okay so how are you going to decentralize it when it's like not an appropriate question to ask like you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be assuming that all teams at all places want to decentralize the products. Like that's in, in my original, uh, when me and, and Remy, my boss were talking about realty, like we were talking about like, okay, how do we decentralize this ultimately? Like at the end game of realty, like how do we turn this into a decentralized application? And we thought for about five minutes and then decided that that would be a dumb goal that we should not do. Uh, and it would just ruin, it would totally be a huge distraction and even if we could, like, do we even want to? And so talking about these applications that are kind of more in the gray area, like applications like Compound or DYDX or um, Dharma, like all these like pseudo decentralized, but again, we shouldn't even be using the word decentralized. They're just kind of these like apps. They're just these applications. And the question of whether they are or are not decentralized, I think we should stop asking. Like what we should really be asking, like for, for Compound, is like what we should really be asking is, is, is there a backdoor? And there is. 
but that's be because of these reasons that compound wants to give because of they want the upgradability, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they want, they want this control over the system. And so like, we've all been assuming that compound is going to be turned into Uniswap and Uniswap is actually correctly decentralized to the same degree that Ethereum is because it's just this like protocol. It's just this application and compound. We don't know what the compound team's goals for compound are. At least I don't uh, like are, do they want themselves to become protocol protocolized like Uniswap or do they want themselves to become just like an on-chain service? Like, I don't know, realty. So I guess to respond to that, I, I think it, I, I, what I'm trying to understand from you is like, are, are you, you're talking more specifically about Ethereum dApps, right? And yeah. trying to specify, you know, what questions should we be talking about when we're evaluating these things? And mm -hmm. is the governance of how it is updated or managed, mm -hmm. does that even matter, right? And I've seen someone like tweeting about like, it should be about, is it stoppable or is it unstoppable? Right. More than is it decentralized? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not uh, surprised that these are kind of questions that people like yourself and others in the ETH community are kind of uh, going after. And I mean, part of it is because a lot of DApps have like this weird conflict where they're actually not decentralized um, and they're actually very centralized, and they have these backdoors and they're very stoppable. Um, I would say that you know, if you're trying to do something that you would consider the U.S would want you to do with KYC, then you need to have it set up in a manner where it is unstoppable and is mm -hmm. you can't and, and there there is no backdoor, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether whether it needs to be decentralized in order to achieve that, that's a question that I think it depends on like, is this piece of code going to be something that's constantly developed? Um, if it is, maybe it doesn't even have to be decentralized. Maybe it actually they they just have to be anonymous or trying to evade you know whoever's updating it just has to try to be evading whoever's going to be trying to do the censoring um so yeah i mean i can totally see like why maybe like the heuristic of decentralization isn't necessarily the right one mm -hmm. when it comes to evaluating these apps um and honestly again like not to make it about bitcoin but that's why i think the bitcoin community is pretty damn honest about the apps that we're building and they are very realistic about like, what is the goal here? And, you know, how do we make sure we don't get arrested and try to achieve this thing? Um, I, and, you know, hey, BTC Pay Server has a foundation and it has known contributors. It also has, you know, unknown contributors, uh, but it's by no means, uh, you know, they're developing software that's open source, people can download it. It's, you know, theoretically, it is unstoppable to operate your own BTC Pay Server. Um, but the organization itself is by no means, you know, decentralized or has decentralized governance or anything like that. And mm -hmm. they're operating in a way and they're marketing it in a way, uh, where they're, you know, they're trying, you know, not to be culpable to some right. degree, you know, right. we'll see, we'll see how heavy the, the law gets with people that facilitate, um, you know, payment services outside of, um, outside of, you know, law, yeah, but right. we'll see. Yeah. Like I I'm always more, uh, I'm more risk taking than pretty much all the Bitcoiners that you bring on and including yourself. Like, I just don't think that people are going to be coming after a team of people that wrote a payment merchant plugin for websites for Bitcoin. Like I just don't see that being an issue. Um, 
Like the Bitcoiners are just so paranoid that the custodians of the U.S. dollar are going to come and start, you know, hitting, doing some whack-a-mole with all these Bitcoin infrastructure builders. And I just, I just don't see that. I just don't see that happening. But it would be really interesting if something like that did happen, especially, especially for the Ethereum ecosystem, because like, imagine if like um, Robert Lesher, the guy, the CEO of, of a compound, um, got like a subpoena or something or got thrown in jail like like Virgil did for unrelated reasons um, and then and then there's this big there would be this big like long drawn out court case that would really define a lot like it would define uh, because like Robert Lesher and sorry Robert to to put you on the spot and use you as an example here but like the compound team would have to present like this argument about like, okay, so we're not actually facilitating like borrowing and lending platforms or whatever regulation is involved with that. We're just, we just wrote the contract. Like we just wrote the code and put it on Ethereum. And so we're not facilitating anything. We just, we just built this thing that helps facilitate it. And so like, no, like the compound team doesn't have any money. Um, sorry, one sec. Uh, the compound team doesn't have any money like they don't have any they're not doing any transactions and so they they have like this this deniability saying like hey like um you know we didn't we didn't actually do anything we were not brokers we're not money transmitters we just like wrote the code and then everyone else just started using it um and so that that would be a pretty interesting question you're muted it was interesting talking to Kane from Synthetics too, because he was kind of saying something very similar about that, you know, there are no trades actually being made. It's just converting um, one synthetic collateral to another based on price feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I, I'm, loophole, sure, right? like, I'm sure there are plenty of lawyers that are on this, but at the same time, if you are enabling, you know, a sanctioned country to do something and you can be identified and you, you, you could have, you know, you could have it, you know, everything thrown at you as well. Like it's, that's not out of the question. We've seen it with Ross Ulbrich, uh, where we'll, this Virgil thing is a developing story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately, I think Brandon said this inside the the chat, like we are trying to take power away from the state, you know, printing power, sanctioning power, that kind of stuff like that inherently gets removed because of this technology. Um, I don't think that it's going to be, you know, fun and dandy, especially when there's reasons for them to, um, to come after certain folks. I think we should get some people on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send a link to Brandon. Okay. All right. We're, we're bringing people in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get some people's takes. Uh, looks like, uh, we have uh, <laughs> I decentralized isn't isn't there too? Yeah. Anthony. What's up, Nick? The the Ross Ulbricht case is interesting because it's like exactly what I don't want to have an, as an example as an Ethereum. Like now we have all these networks and applications and stuff like that. And there's this guy named Ross Ulbricht who's in jail for life for doing something like this. But at the same time, Double like we have plus forty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Rest in peace. Well, whatever the appropriate thing to say is for that. Um, but like at the same time, that it hasn't happened since. Like we like this is it was like the one he was made an example of, and now he hasn't 
been that hasn't been replicated for five years. Who knows, man? What's up, Brandon? What up, Brandon? Yeah, he's figuring it out. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun little. Experience. All right, continue talk. Continue talking about Ross. Well, yeah, I, I mean, so like, I guess there is precedent precedent for Bitcoiners to be like super paranoid. Uh, because no one wants to be in jail for two life sentences plus 40 because that would suck. But at the same time, like this is, this just only happened once. Like has this happened again since or anything like remotely similar to it? Whatever. I'm sure there's untold stories. Uh, I, I remember so? there's a, a much sketchier guy who, who was in trouble a couple of years back. Um, Brandon, what's your take? Yeah. Minimal viable decentralization. What does it mean? Like how paranoid should people be? All right, here we go. So I think first of all, we have to realize, and most people on the phone already do, but decentralization is expensive and it's always gonna be less efficient. It's always gonna be more expensive to decentralize things, right? And also decentralization is not the goal. That doesn't get you anything in and of itself. Uh, decentralization is just a tool that Satoshi found out he could leverage to do the most important thing in the whole space, which is prevent money production from being co-opted. That's the hardest thing to solve here. Um, that's the 5,000 year, the 10,000 year problem that was solved with Bitcoin. And so then with decentralization and with the ethics of money production being sound, uh, to steal the title of a book I like, um, then you create a monetary system that can't be corrupted. That, that's where you get the censorship resistance, the unstoppable global borderless, insert Andreas's um, line right there. And so if we look at it from that angle, uh, that's the fundamental problem. And maybe we can ask the question, is anything else important enough to decentralize, right? Like, do we need decentralized video game avatars? <laughs> uh, I, get, I get the argument, right? It's a logical argument, but is it really gonna be the way we go when there's always gonna be a more efficient path? Um, yeah, so that's kind of where my question is, is like, is anything important enough besides money? Um, I would say maybe decentralized identity could be as important, mm -hmm. um, or some sort of a pseudonymous system to allow us free speech or like selectively choose a identity for a thing that we need to do that's important and then come back into our normal public profile. Um, yeah, that, yeah. that's sort of my thought there. Yeah. Um, so this is like one of the reasons why Ethereum could be so interesting is because like, because you can write this application on top of Ethereum, you can uh, ride in Ethereum's wake of being decentralized. You can get whatever decentralization that Ethereum has at no further costs. So it doesn't cost Ethereum. It doesn't, because like Uniswap is on Ethereum, it doesn't make Ethereum more expensive or less expensive to have that degree of decentralization. And so like where Bitcoin can, can, take the power of uh printing money away from from anyone and give it to everyone or no one like ethereum does that same thing with whatever else justifiably wants to be decentralized or not right my concern there is the ability that ethereum has the expressive language the ability to do everything on the base layer that requires trading off some of the important things that we're talking about mm. uh, necessarily security goes down when you do that and it's yet to be seen if the minimum viable security that ethereum is is seeking issuance. Through its issuance whatever the architecture that's going to be coming out of that is that going to be secure enough um that's yet to be seen let's say it is 
um, that's a different conversation. I, I certainly don't believe that we should be optimizing for that now. I think it's uh, far more important that we have a rock solid base layer that can't be fucked with. And then we get as far as we can on, on other layers. And I, I see that path happening uh, significantly slower than how Ethereum wants it to go. But I think that's the, the right path. Mm -hmm. It's the long-term path. It's the way biology grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. I Thanks for the take, for the Brandon. Comments. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, we're, we're going to kick you off. There's more people that want to come on, but uh, awesome. thanks, thanks for the guys. opinion. Yeah, thanks for, yeah, this is fun. Peace. All right, should we get um, an Ethereum on here? Yeah, uh, Anthony, I, I sent him the link, but I told him to wait. Uh, anyone else that you that you prefer? Yeah, no, Anthony, if you if you have that link, go ahead and click that, bro. Should you want to ping him again? Yeah, I think oh, this, is, this is fun. This is fun. We're like, we're, we're hosting a, an octagon. <laughs> <laughs> crowdsourcing these POVs. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a lot what of these questions. From, what do you think of that opinion? Yeah, uh, the the idea of like Bitcoin having this rock solid base and then growing further up the accessibility or whatever decentralization. Uh, it's just one of the one of many questions that we just won't know until we have hindsight. Like, I don't think anyone will be able to answer it ahead of time. What up, Anthony? Welcome to POV Crypto. You're muted. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I think he's, he's, he's trying to figure out a sound. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. I think Anthony's in Thailand, so he, he's definitely oh, wow. in the, the Thailand uniform. Tank top, <laughs> sweating. <laughs> 90 degrees and high humidity. Yeah. Yeah, that was me two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If y'all haven't been to Thailand, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think people should think about dApps if, if necessarily like just optimizing for decentralization isn't the right, right framework? Yeah. Um, or, or, or we could get Anthony. Or we can get Anthony's opinion. It's hard to know what they've been listening to and what they haven't been listening to. What up, Anthony? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, what's your opinion on minimal viable decentralization? Yeah, so uh, long story short, I think that the ethos of both communities is, is pretty similar. Um, I think we want to have a secure base layer. Um, and then moving forward after that is, is where we really differ. You know, Bitcoin, obviously, because of the scripting language, it's not as lush. You can't do smart contracts and Turing complete language, all that to keep it simple. And I think that where it comes to Ethereum and, and it, you'll understand it more in an article I release later is that I look at Ethereum now, not so much as just a technology, it's actually a live organism. And it's so decentralized that I compare it to like a Hydra. If you have one thing that gets slashed off, say Ether Delta in 2017, mm -hmm. you have something else that's gonna pop up, right? Maybe two things, maybe three things. And so we saw Ether Delta get slashed off because it was not decentralized. It was not censorship resistant. The SEC came and slapped the heads, cut it off, and now it's gone. But then because the community is alive, because it's a lush organism, we have things like Uniswap popping up and now tons of other decentralized applications. And so now to look at, say, Compound or to look at a DYDX, anything like that, if we look at that as not censorship resistant, as stoppable, then let it be cut off. Let it die. Because Ethereum is going to continue to regenerate. New communities will pop up. 
within Ethereum and it might be anonymous next time. Someone else might fork the code and deploy it anonymously, but it's going to continue to come back. It's not going to stop. And I'm all for KYC. I'm all for AML and being compliant. But at the end of the day, we will have, mark my words, a secure global base layer where all these other small blockchains will report into for finality. And that's going to be Ethereum. And I'd love to hear you know, people argue that, but that's what's going to happen. It's going to continue. It's, it's alive. The organism's unstoppable now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the KYC side of Ethereum, I've always, I've been thinking about a little bit more and more lately. And, and Matt Odell brought up on our podcast forever ago that he thinks that Ethereum is just going to be the KYC chain, which I think it will be. And it will also be a non-KYC chain. And so like if, if you take, for example, um, Stranger Things, like has the upside down, there's just going to be two sides of Ethereum. There's going to be this KYC side of Ethereum and there's going to be the non-KYC side of Ethereum. And so like awesome. if people like Bitcoiners will say like at some point, uh, MakerDAO is going to have to bend the knee to the state and enforce KYC and maybe they do, but then somebody's just going to fork MakerDAO and make no, no KYC DAO. And it's just going to be the same thing. And then we're going to have two dies and they're both going to be stable because they're both going to have the same processes. But one's going to have the KYC side and one's going to have the non-KYC side. And there's no, there's no one stopping. Like you can say that's true for any application that, like, that is forced to bend the knee to the state is like, well, then you can just fork it and just have the non-KYC version of it. And so the whole idea that like, and, and then maybe the U.S.-based teams get in trouble, but like Ethereum's fine. Ethereum's a Hydra. You can you can cut off its its MakerDAO and still have MakerDAO. And who who said that? Like, where are you pulling that information from? Because I hadn't read that, but that's awesome. That it's going to have the upside down and KYC versus you know open finance, so to speak. Oh, Matt, Matt O'Dell is the guy who thinks that every application on Ethereum will be KYC, and I think we're going to bring him on maybe after you. Uh, okay. um, yeah yeah so he thinks everything will be kyc where you're what you're saying is so, yeah. there will be kyc but then we'll have the upside down as well yeah like like realty for example we're okay like our tokens are kyc tokens and so there's we have our tokens inside of uniswap and that whatever accessing that particular exchange on uniswap requires kyc but it doesn't require kyc for die to ether or mkr to ether or whatever yeah so when usa <laughs> it's not up to us. <laughs> yeah, it's up to the SEC. <laughs> All right, CK, you got anything? We've been you, to you got me, bro. I wanted to link up, but I'm still in Thailand, so we gotta make another appointment. Bro. It's it's funny that you you, you know I know you're working on this uh, Ethereum is a hydra. It's funny that you came up right after Brandon yeah, that is really <laughs> made it. You know, Bitcoin is a decentralized organism analogy, uh, like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, talking about it, how it compares to like mycelium. Mm -hmm. um generally when i refer to things as hydra i talk about the entire altcoin ecosystem as the hydra of shit it creates a ton of confusion it's this massive like smorgasbord of you know less secure um block space and you know just block space that you can you can kind of mess around with um and ultimately it's a nice compliment to bitcoin um i i definitely think that ethereum is like the king of 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 that <laughs> area and i totally see how like eth um you know I, I do see the example like i i I do think that ethereum is mildly censorship resistant and is of course very and when i say mildly i'm saying like if someone wants to come down on ethereum leadership that there is resist but, like there will be redundancies and resistance um but i just i think that like ultimately my biggest problem with ethereum is is the fact that 
y'all still are trying to coordinate future moves and building new networks and killing your old network. Like you're literally conspiring right now while building E2 is in murdering your old network. Like that's kind of part of it. You're trying to kill your decentralized organism as you're building this new thing. We're going to fold it in. I honestly think that that. it, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but like, you know, Eric, Eric Connor like posted about how he found this difficulty bomb situation and you guys got to fix it. Like you guys are building in all these little booby traps into your thing, (laughs) right? Because you always have a new thing to make. Like the, the ETH community is, the biggest danger to the decentralized organism that you're describing. And whereas the Bitcoin community on the flip side is not, is not fucking with it. It's just like, we're, we're just keep keeping the train going. In, in this like window of time that we have before, uh, the big stakeholders of the world financial system realizes what Ethereum is. Like we want to do that as much as possible when it actually does become a threat. And maybe when there is some sort of coalition of states to take down Ethereum, which will never fucking happen. Well, we're going, we're going to take as much luxury as we can to KYC first. Yeah, sure. KYC first. And and so in regards to the, the hydro shit. um, So I think the altcoin space it's unfortunate that it gets bunched together because there actually is a lot of promising tech out there. And because we had our big speculative bubble, which we're going to have more, there is a lot of trash out there. But what I, why I don't agree with the point of altcoins are side chains for uh, Bitcoin is that you guys don't have any atomic swaps yet. And if there's no atomic swaps, then you're putting your, all your precious Bitcoin or whatever into the hands of, you know, custody solutions. And so, you know, that's just that alone, the decentralized exchange without them taking custody, if that was the only value proposition of Ethereum, it's still a huge one. Like that's, that's big. If, if anyone doesn't agree that having a proper DEX is valuable, then they're just ignoring innovation blindly. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things as you guys have seen, and there's more use cases to come that people don't even know about because it's an organism. And so you know, I understand what you're going to say. And let's say Ethereum dies and crashes and, oh my gosh, the base layer is gone. We still got Bitcoin, right, guys? And I guess we'll continue on the slow track of using federated side chains and um, maybe that'll work. But mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, man. Yeah. I don't see that happening. There's a thing called lightning, but uh, th- thanks for thanks for the two right. cents. Cue, cue the chart, uh, the <laughs> lightning locked up value chart. But anyway. Appreciate Lightning it, isn't a blockchain, that, but that apparently that's difficult to understand. Um, th- thanks for hopping on. Uh, appreciate the time. I think I think we have Ansel coming on on next. Oh boy, this is this so is uh, right. I'm sure Ansel has opinions on this. I'm trying to track track down Matt. Uh, so Ansel, if you're if you're he listening, you should hop on. All right, thanks, Anthony. All right, guys, I appreciate you. Good Peace. job. I've been listening to you since the beginning, and it's uh, it's inspiring that you know even in the crowded uh, podcast space, you guys swooped into the scene with a unique philosophy since you guys are so different and uh it really is getting everyone out of their echo chamber so hopefully 2020 is not less fighting and people pay attention to you guys because uh you know it's good to have different ears in your ear all right cheers appreciate the kind words sir thank you 100 percent. thank you uh since in the moment that we that we take to get um get our next guest on here uh we this is the last day of november as soon as I hit end meeting, I'm rushing off to the bathroom and shaving this goddamn beard. But it's also the last day to donate to either the Bitcoin side or the Ethereum side. Uh, Christian, do you know how much Bitcoin funds you guys, uh, you guys, we have on the Bitcoin side? Yeah. 
I actually, I, I just got a donation earlier today as well. Oh yeah. Hold on, I'm pulling uh pulling up the Ethereum funds. Yeah. Okay, we. Oh, what the fuck? You got a big donation. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, five ether two days ago. I didn't even look. <laughs> Jesus, that's fucking crazy. We're oh, at well. one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. <throat> that's a pretty big uh, donation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. We wow. Are who did that? Three fifty over here. Who did that? If you're in chat, who did that? That's great. Well, that, stay stay anon. I guess that, I guess I'm donating to uh to Gitcoin. Yeah, but, uh, yo, that that is uh that's going to be a huge pot for November. So this is like yeah. fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, damn, we we almost raised two thousand dollars with that collectively. Jesus. Thank you, uh, address Thank you, whale zero x e nine three seven etc. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. That was great. Uh, wow, honored honored so uh all you bitcoiners if you guys want to donate uh what, how much are you behind me by like six hundred dollars collectively six hundred dollars you can put christian back on on top but it's got to be done <laughs> by the end of this uh end of the uh the live stream damn dude where's ansel at uh, i forgot to send him the link one oh, sec nice like one sec metal dell's in the uh in the chat yeah i'll ping that too Hey, Mike. Can you you got the backdrop. Yep. PTC. Let's go. What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can. Thanks so, for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, of course, man. Um, continuing on the, the topic of minimal viable decentralization. I'm sure you got some opinions. <laughs> yeah, I think it changes. You know, like a very, very small network with a market cap of $5 million, it doesn't need any decentralization. But as you get up there to a hundred, a hundred billion, a trillion dollar market cap, then you're going to need a lot more decentralization. So, um, and we see that, you know, as uh, in some attacks that have happened around the space, the smallest exchanges might not get attacked, but once they get bigger, then they're more of a honeypot for people to, to attack. And even on um, Ethereum with the Dow, right, as it got higher and higher uh, with a honeypot for people, for the hacker, then it was hacked. So um, I think it's it's definitely a different spectrum depending on how big the network is. Well, so Ethereum in the, in it, with the DAO hack, Ethereum wasn't hacked, just just the DAO. Well, it was hacked when they forked it to to uh, have the is that a hack? regular. Is that a hack? Thing. Absolutely, well, they coordinated. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Byzantine attack. They, they coordinated to change the state, to have an irregular state transition. That's the definition of a Byzantine attack. And the uh, Ethereum network was Byzantine attack to fork it. Who, who, was, who was attacked in that scenario? The consensus, the normal. Uh, but what, what if transition. the consensus was to attack? It wasn't because the, okay. So um, a Byzantine attack, you know, is mm -hmm. to attack from, from one state. Mm -hmm next state um and that was made irregular and so by definition in my opinion by your definition it, well i mean by the definition of a byzantine attack i haven't heard anybody talk about it like that but um the social consensus stuff from mm -hmm. outside of these networks um i mean that's that's exactly what it is about uh, these byzantine attacks trying to stop people from reaching consensus mm -hmm. on the existing rules and that's mm -hmm. what happened yeah 
but then everyone kind of went along with it except for a small like it using it in a in an, an attack in that way doesn't accurately reflect the reality of the situation how there there was general consensus to do this and to move on and that's why ethereum is 150 dollars and why e e ethereum classic is seven or something well how do you know there's general consensus i mean it was there was a vote the market pre, decided well there was a vote pre um pre the fork with like four percent of the tokens voting right or something mm -hmm. like that and um the clients were the new client updates defaulted to follow the fork. Mm -hmm. And so all of these people, like they didn't, they might not even know what's going on. And they even colluded with the exchanges to say, there's not going to be any chain split. It's going to mm -hmm. follow our right. reference right. client. So right. that's, that's what happened. Yeah. I just don't really Until, see it as that uh, adversarial. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to stick into the past. Like let's talk about Ethereum okay. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you, it, so there's kind of two levels, right? Is like, is Ethereum as a base money, base blockchain, is it decentralized enough, you think, to uh, scave off any sort of real attack from a government? And then on top of that, these DeFi apps being built on top of it, are, are there, like, do they, do they actually have to be decentralized? And like, what should be the goal there? Well, I think Ethereum is decentralized enough for a $20 billion market cap. And I don't really see it going much higher. So I think that it is going to remain decentralized enough because there's not going to be as big of a honeypot for somebody to come in. I mean, why, why do they need to attack it if they're just going to do proof of stake or, you know, they're going to slowly grind down and mess up their own network. There's probably not going to be as much incentive to attack it. Um, but the dApps, I mean, they're all centralized. I, d I don't really consider them decentralized at all because- Are you familiar with Uniswap? I'm, I'm not familiar with the exact workings of it, but okay. if it has an Oracle, Does it's it, centralized. It is an Oracle. Well, if, if, it's, if mean, it's taking stuff from outside the network to putting it inside the network, then, okay, well, <laughs> it what's the big deal about it then? It's, an, it's a decentralized exchange. It's super cool. I can go from ETH to DAI and then from DAI to MKR and MKR to ETH without any intermediaries. In, in, in theoretically in one transaction, but right now I wouldn't be able to figure out how to do that. It would be like three transactions. And so like that, that's, that's kind of like the, the beginnings of this conversation, right? And so like we have the uh, capacity to build these applications on top of Ethereum and they either have the capacity to be totally autonomous protocols like Uniswap or centralized businesses like my company realty where we do tokenized real estate like that like we do kyc we have we can revoke tokens uh et cetera, et cetera. um but and we and we have no plans to be decentralized and so like the the whole idea behind like minimal viable decentralization is the idea that the least decentralized that you can be and still achieve your goal might be the right way to go and any further decentralized decentralization is actually a hindrance not a help to your product well, yeah, but it depends on how valuable it is to attack, right? Um, decentralization is not an end in itself, like Brendan was saying. Mm -hmm. um, decentralization is only there to make it robust and Byzantine fault tolerant. So, um, yeah, I mean, right now it's probably decentralized enough. Mm -hmm. And if there's a reason for, for decentralization in something like Uniswap, um, then... Uh, 
I mean, it, it, it will have to get tested uh, in real life against attackers. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there really is because there's so many, uh, I mean, I don't see anything unique about a, I mean, you're using a decentralized exchange to exchange centralized tokens. So, I mean, it doesn't really follow or make sense. Well, no. So, so again, my company, Realty, we have our centralized tokens inside of Uniswap, and that allows people to go in and out of real estate positions like, like that. Um, that's a benefit to our users. Uh, and so, like, there's a total world of decentralized finance applications you know, like Uniswap, protocols, whatever, and its integration into real world, world companies so the real world, world companies can like leverage the power of these applications. And if you got subpoenaed or, or you got a, a cease and desist of, or something mm -hmm. for one of your tokens, um, what happens if someone bought it on Uniswap? You could still freeze it or, you know, mess yeah, with it. Right? Maybe. I mean, it probably would get commingled with other tokens. And so that would be like interesting. Like we don't like if somebody's bought it on Uniswap and regulators didn't like that and they had a pool of other tokens, then, and then maybe they sent them to somebody else on the whitelist, then all that stuff gets pretty hairy. But you could figure it out, right? No. I mean, if, no, if it was... Not if, it's, not if it gets commingled. Well, if it was a choice between figuring it out or going to prison, you might, you might figure it out. Uh, well, well it, might, it might just be impossible. It's like, well, once the funds are commingled, then they're commingled. Then you turn off the, the contract and yeah, stop yeah, paying them out and reissue new tokens. Um, so, I mean, it, look, Uniswap could be this like order matching thing and Ethereum mm -hmm. could still very much be a KYC chain and that is if every single thing worth exchanging is kyc then it is a kyc chain regardless if uniswap itself necessarily has mm. to have kyc um, i would like to bring up the fact that at least with uniswap if people are going to coordinate coordinate around uh, a new contract like there's always some sort of a risk there um, and ultimately liquidity is what matters right so if the conspirators move all the liquidity elsewhere and that new contract has issues with it, then uh, you know what good is the the other contract? Um, well, I, I also think, think the, there's the there's point. a middleman issue, right? Like um, middlemen aren't bad necessarily. I think a lot of times Ethereum tries to take the middleman out of there when it's not necessary. Um, so I mean, middlemen in most industries get paid well for their expertise, and it's only in the creation of the money that where uh, the you know, middleman is not valuable. Well, so yeah, the, the middle, middlemen aren't bad because they provide a service, but when that same service could be provided by a cheaper middleman, then, then everyone's going to go to that cheaper middleman because that, this is just how business works. But what Ethereum does is it makes that middleman just hyper cheap. And so we're not trying to kill middlemen. We're just trying to make middlemen mm -hmm. of these applications. I, I don't know if it's hyper cheap. Hyper cheap cost, and cost of gas much more risky, right? I mean, what happens yeah, I mean, if there's I haven't had a problem with it. I think you just think it's risky. I mean, look, look at the uh, price of all these tokens. I mean, it's risky just to hold the tokens, let alone use it's, a- It's risky to hold Bitcoin. Like price goes up, price goes down. You can't explain that. Like the, the, the price of these things are not correlated with the value of the, the network or the project or whatever. Like this is just pure speculation at this point. Um, 
Ansel, yeah, no, here, I, I want to turn it away from necessarily Ethereum per se, but like mm -hmm. the, in the matter of, 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 you know, operate, creating monetary networks and systems, like, what do you think is the necessary amount of paranoia um, when developing these systems and trying to build these things out? What do you think is the necessary amount that needs to be like kind of uh, used by the, the, the builders? Well, I think ultimately these things all depend on the value of the native asset and that's the money. And so that's what all the incentive structures are built on and everything. So for anything to get any distributed consensus network to get um, massively like globally adopted, uh, it, it's going to probably become the world reserve currency or, you know, the, the one money for the world. And so in that respect, I think you have to be very worried because all of the power, I mean, they go to war for much less and they will come after you and it's OPSEC and all these other things. I mean, um, it has to be very, very decentralized. All right. David says maximum paranoia equals maximum paralysis. <laughs> Do you think that is Bitcoin is Bitcoin paralyzed? I don't think like, I don't, I don't think that Bitcoin is paralyzed and I don't think that Bitcoin's commute. The only purpose of L1 is to make the Bitcoins. Bitcoins can be used in many ways other than that. Like it doesn't have to be on L1. I mean, is that the main purpose? I think that's the main purpose of the Bitcoin network because that's the only thing the Bitcoin network can do. Well, that's the only thing that's scalable. Mm, are you sure about that? I'm pretty I sure. Know, I don't think we know that. Well, we I don't mean, know otherwise. Yeah. Just look at the evidence. Do you, do you have, I have tons and tons of evidence to support that but there's only hopes and dreams that it's so there is something different that's scalable on layer one. When we, when we're talking scale, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like throughput of data? Um, talking about, well, I mean the, the biggest measure of scale is market cap, right? I okay. mean, okay. That's but what we're, that's general, what we're all here for. scale. Yeah. That's what we're all here for. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, see, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't really have any strong comments to make. All right, Ansel, any last words? Nope, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate cool. it. Yeah, thanks for nice coming on, That's me for man. the first time, Ansel. Yep, you too, David. All right, David, who's next? Are right, we wrapping uh, it up? I really want Anti-Pro to come on, but he- I'm not going to do it, dude. He's a little scaredy cat. A little scaredy cat. <laughs> he's, he texts in chat while I'm talking. Yeah, about. keyboard commando over here. Yeah. All right, let's stop <laughs> referring to him if he's not going to come on. Um, yeah. Are you going to invite anyone else on? Uh, let's see, David, you 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 Trobin, you want to come on? I'm just trying to look through this. Um, I, I completely disagree with this idea that you need to have a Turing complete layer to have a Dex. Like, I, have you heard of BISC? Like, I, I really think that people need to How listen to the the Urbit interview because I, I think that uh, Bitcoin sign guy in the interview really breaks down, um, you know, why you don't need necessarily like a blockchain application to have this decentralization mm -hmm. that people mm -hmm. seek. You just need to run your own server. If you are running yeah. your own applications on hardware that you control um, and you're not just bulk licensing it out, then, you know, like going, going to, uh, 
you know, a Facebook or something like that, but you know, you are going to an AWS and you are getting this server or you are running a server on your property or whatever, like that gives you a lot of affordances. Um, Does that make a trust? BTC pay server, Bitcoin nodes, all of these things are servers that you run and they give you a massive amount of, uh, you know, amounts of of privacy, a massive amount of control over your data, uh, a massive amount of, of sovereignty. And none of them, other than the Bitcoin node, need any sort of like consensus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it has to be like a decentralized exchange. You can have an exchange network, like, like again, a BISC, where everyone's running their own BISC node. It connects them together. They're communicating. They coordinate trades. And then, boom, you have a trade that gone through. Um, again, like there's no way to take it down because you have to take down every single BISC node. Um, so uh, that's very decentralized. It doesn't need the Bitcoin network. It doesn't need to stay in consensus. It doesn't need all this extra uh, baloney. Yeah. So after we did our Urbit episode, I got reached out to by like multiple people. Kenny Rowe, uh, this guy who I had never talked to before uh, on Twitter, um, and said that the, the uh, Christian, the the guest, kind of just glossed over about how all, like most of Urbit is or the Urbit like name ID system or something is all built on Ethereum, and that just never got mentioned. I wasn't smart enough to ask it. Um, but like the the, whole, the the names are non-fungible tokens on Ethereum, but it could be non-fungible tokens on anything that can host non-fungible tokens. Um, yeah. uh, the, the thing with Urbit is like, first off, I don't see how that solves the trust issue, and second, like I, I don't see how that that's you can have these one one-off conver- uh, applications. Like there's this Urbit server that does this one thing, and that it, can it can it connect to other Urbit servers? Can we have like the DeFi uh, composability meme grow in Urbit? Like, can Uniswap talk to Compound? Like, can we do that on Urbit? I don't know if we can. That that'd be pretty cool. But I don't know if we can do that. Like, it, it seems like Urbit's really really early, and we don't really know what that's going to look like. Well, I wasn't saying Urbit as like the example. I was saying more running your own personal servers, right? Whether that mm-hmm. is enabled through Urbit or whether it's through legacy infrastructure mm-hmm. i don't know so but how, how does running, that solve the trust issue well i mean all these applications right they're looking like how can we network right how can we network over tour how can we network over this kind of stuff like i'm not saying that i'm not saying that we can do a dex uh and again like i don't know exactly how how uh how bisc manages manages like the order book and and brings it all together i should do a little bit more research on that front but generally speaking, like you don't always need to be like on this consensus to incomplete layer to do a lot of the things that eventually you're going to want to do. Um, and again, things like lightning, things like other layer twos that have interoperability, they're going to enable a lot of stuff that we can't even imagine right now. Yeah. This ability yeah. is cool. Like I don't want to talk shit on it. Like the Dan El- the Elzer, uh pod that we did was super, super fucking interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like what needs to be super decentralized? Like none of those things that he talks about need to be super decentralized. Right. And I mean, yeah. is that going to drive a bunch of value to Ether? I mean, they could be done on Tron. They can be done on a lot of things. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the, big, the purpose of why we're talking about this is because like, so the FOMO 3D team or the pool together team or, or like none of these things need to be decentralized per se. But it's the because 
uh, of Ethereum, decentralization for these applications is free. Uh, and so, when, so like, what are they getting? It's out not of free. That? Can't be free. It's uh, cost minimized. There's a UX cost, right? Yeah, but that's also a solvable problem. So, so like, what are we getting out of like building out a pool together in a maximally decentralized way? Like where it's like, or Uniswap just in a maximally decentralized way. Like why, why is that so cool? And it's like not the decentralization, but it's, it's, it's the permissionlessness and the unstoppableness and the composability. And so like be, those three things all being in the same space is what's really, really powerful. And we've, we've talked about this before, but the, and then we've, the Bitcoiners will come and say, well, I just don't need if you don't know if you need to do this on L1, you can do this on Urbit or you could do this on top of Lightning and you can do this insert hypothetical statement here. Uh, well, like we like we're, we haven't seen those things yet and we have seen them be composable, be permissionless, be, you know, uh, decentralized on Ethereum and being used. And so like it's not like Ethereum is just this beta that is testing these things out like it kind of is. But at, this, at some point, that beta goes and slowly, without any sort of like, you know, date, turns into the real thing. And for some people, like Mariano Conti, it is the real thing. That's, that's his financial system. But for maybe for people in America, it's just like a beta or an alpha that these things are, are being tried out. But like at some point, like, and you always use the line, um, I say something bullish about Ethereum. And then you say like, well, where, by that, when that finally comes, where will Bitcoin be? Well, Ethereum is already doing these things. So by the time like Urbit comes around or like Lightning Network apps come around, where will Ethereum be? Like our DeFi is, we're laying bricks every single week. Like where do you think our DeFi composable ecosystem will be by the time that that's possible on top of Urbit? With lots of KYC. And the upside down, the non-KYC. <laughs> Maybe. Again, like uh, I, I agree, like there's there's kind of a head start, but... I don't know, like, I'm trying to, like, look at the DeFi space and, like, look, like, okay, so there's these bricks to trade these things, but what is there to trade other than ETH and then other versions of ETH? I mean, the synthetic stuff is is interesting. Like, there are positive, you know, bricks being laid, but like I said with the Anthony, uh, with Anthony's interview or his little snippet is, you know, there are impressive things happening and this network is growing, but at the same time, there is a, like Ansel kind of pointed out, there is a group of people in this world that are conspiring to murder a network, a decentralized organism, and create another one. And I definitely do not think that, um, I think that a lot of the Lindy and the headway that has been created, you know, I don't know how that is going to uh, necessarily smooth over into uh, the next network. And on top of that, like, it just, I don't know. Like, I just don't know how all this is going to come together. And I'm going to stop blabbering. Uh, I invited Colin. We'll see if he joins, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but nice. yeah, I think we should we should wrap this up soon. Colin's a good person to end on because he's pretty pretty in the middle. Um, like the whole murdering our our old chain is just the wrong words to choose. Like layer uh, Ethereum one is being folded into Ethereum two very respectfully, very nicely, and it's going to be forever usable on Ethereum two. And all the ether is getting moved over to Ethereum two. And we're and there we're giving like this I don't know two year long window of time to move over to Ethereum two like we're not murdering it we're rebuilding this new chain with a privileged door back to the old chain 
for the old train to either stay there or to come on. Like, we're not murdering it. Like, all the, the Lindy of Uniswap and the Lindy of MakerDAO, like, we didn't kill MakerDAO Lindy when we transfer, transitioned from side to die. Like, 90% of the contracts are still the same. Like, most of these How's things, the transition going? Uh, let me tell you. I'm going to go to sci2die.xyz and inform you that, let's see, 23.4% has been migrated to die. What is that faster or slower than you anticipated? Uh, I didn't really ante- anticipate much. I think the big whales are kind of waiting. Let's see if I can just share my screen real quick. Uh, yeah, the, so like three or four CDPs um, manage like most of the die. Can, you get, can everyone see that? I think so. Shout out to, uh, shout out to Dave Craig and these two individuals who I don't know. Um, uh, so like, like five CDPs represent like 90% of the die or something. Okay, I'm going to share a screen. Uh, and so like, it's going to really be up to those. Those guys. Gotcha. It sounds yeah. like Coinbase and others. Yeah. So what? Ha- so quick question about being decentralized. Are you concerned at all about like Coinbase and other large exchanges um, staking ETH? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why decentralized exchanges are so important is because we reduce our dependence on centralized exchanges. But at the same time, um, like it's not like their incentives are any different. Like they, they, if they have ETH, they are stakeholders all the same. Um, and I so mean, there's a lot of exchanges holding a lot of Bitcoin, and they try to hard fork it. Like there's right. no proof that holding it means you're gonna magically do the right thing. Well, what if by definition, whatever the thing that is done is the right thing? Like the right thing is your subjective opinion on what the right thing is. Yeah, but the users of the network might not agree with what Coinbase and other exchanges decide to do. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's other issues like, so like staking services, like staked.us. Shout out Cole. I saw you in here earlier. Um, like these are important conversations for like staking as a service or generalized mining, which I hate um, as a term. Um, I'm, I'm not terribly concerned uh, simply because so like every time we we shout out like oh there's more eth locked in DeFi they're like we passed four percent of eth locked in DeFi that's four percent that's off the table to maliciously attack the network and so the more and more ether in DeFi especially in things like zero x or uniswap the more power that the computers have the, the computers is the applications that have taken away from uh coinbase or gemini or whatever uh, and so like 4% is pretty good for DeFi being like two years old and really more just like one year old. Uh, and so like that, the, the bullish case for Ethereum is that like all of these computers suck up all the ether, uh, and all these centralized services, um, like I said, like crypto banks, crypto exchanges turn into, uh, decentralized services on top of Ethereum. Uh, so we don't need to have our funds inside of Coinbase or inside of, of, you know, insert your favorite exchange here yeah i I don't necessarily know how that solves actually like converting uh fiat into into that i think that's a big area where DeFi doesn't necessarily um offer 
uh, like a role that can displace a Coinbase or another exchange. But the other is like the ease of use of custodying it there. Like maybe people don't want to custody it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been anything that has shown me that people actually want to custody their assets, at least normal, normal people. Like there has to be a massive change in behavior. Like even my roommates don't custody their assets. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're young whippersnappers but they're using Square and, and Coinbase and all that stuff. They have ledgers and treasures and they have me. Yeah. <laughs> and still, so, um, I don't know yeah, that, that is one thing that, that does concern me the most. More, more than using my funds in Uniswap or using my funds in Compound or whatever. What does concern me is like using my ledger through MetaMask. Like, I actually don't know the risk vectors there. I actually don't know what that's about. And like, if there was a way to buy insurance for just a total loss of funds because somebody was scanning my Wi-Fi or whatever, I don't know how this works. Uh, I would totally buy that. Um, but like with the, but that's that's why Eric Connor is so bullish on smart contract wallets. Uh, and I've been I've been meaning to move over more and more funds into my Argent wallet. But like, you can set like a limit, right? So like, if I lose my phone. Uh, I can set a limit to not send more than like two die per day or two ether per day anywhere. And if it does, it can, I can, I can program it how I want. Like I can say, I can just lock it down and be like, okay, if somebody ever tries to make this transaction, they would only make this transaction because they know they don't know that the rules I've set. And so we're locking down the wallet. And so, you know, got 48 hours, no transactions out of this wallet. Uh, and so then you can reaccess the wallet through a different mechanism. And so like these smart contract wallets, I, I think are, are good, good way to, to help people self custody. What up, Colin? Welcome. Yeah, what's up, David? What's up, CK? Always hey, a pleasure to have you on. So Colin, you're going to be the last guest. This is going pretty long, but we were talking about minimal <laughs> viable decentralization. Oh, minimum viable decentralization. Okay. So wait, what, what, uh, what was the point you were making right before I got on David? Uh, talking about how smart contract wallets can help people custody their own funds and get them off of exchanges and and because Christian was what, what brought up the issue is like okay like what happens when proof of stake arrives and then Coinbase and Gemini like have like twenty percent of all the ether like what's up with that uh, and so my answer was like well that's why all these like decentralized applications on Ethereum are so useful because then you don't need to have your funds there. Well, I guess theoretically also like just to to, to play devil's advocate here as a Bitcoiner CK. You could just have pooled stakes, right? You don't necessarily have to do it through Coinbase and stuff, right? Like you could like, like for instance, all the ETH dudes on Twitter, if they wanted to, they could just create their own smart contract to pull together, right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's- You have to take into account that Coinbase is trying to compete to get you to leave your ETH there, right? Right. And same with everyone else. So that's Uh, all they're going to get like incentives. Yeah. Yeah, all of these- This way you don't have to run a node. They also have the incentive to suck up your, your ETH. Yeah, you, you don't have to run a node. You don't have to like figure out how to manage your own funds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can just give Coinbase your funds and then let Coinbase stake for you probably for a small fee or something. And then Coinbase has all of the ether and they're staking everything. That's the So, concern. but wait, so for, if I wanted to stake my Ethereum ETH 2.0 comes out, mm-hmm. like, and you're, I'm staking it in a pool with you, mm-hmm. would both have to run our own fullness? Between, no, just one of us would. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. Like, I mean, but so going back to the question though, or your, your hypothetical there, Christian, like my base is going to try to incentivize, but what could they really incentivize outside of the realms of the network incentives, except I guess free, free Ethereum out of their own pockets. Mm-hmm. 
when like, like oh, they your, uh, your internet you know like so that's not really uh, or is it my oh no that's my internet sorry nope you're fine um but like that wouldn't really necessarily be sustainable would it like you see what i'm saying you couldn't really get those rewards going well, so you're assuming that outside. there are non-custodial options that actually compete with Coinbase. I'm just I mean, saying there that. There could be. I'm yeah, saying that there could be. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But Except I'm just like saying that obviously these organizations are in position to to make it really, really easy and comfortable for you to lose their funds there. And they're a risk to the network. Fair point. I think the big question is like, why would Coinbase or Gemini's uh, incentives be aligned differently than the rest of the network? And so, like, maybe we can have a hypothetical, like, what if they would? What if they do have misaligned incentives? But I think we also have to ask questions like, why would they? Why would they? We already saw all this with Bitcoin. Like what? What happened? Segwit two X. Why were the exchange? Why did the exchanges want two X? This is this this fork is is Bitcoin. We're going to support this fork at this time. Mm. Um, we all agree this is the person that's developing it. This is what we're going to list as Bitcoin. Yeah, up until but, like what a week before. Yeah, but that's not an attack, right? That's just two subjective opinions. And that it matters way more when they have a bunch of stake and are staking, right? Yeah, but it's not an attack. I mean, a lot of times I, I, I would argue that it very much is an attack. And I would think that if you do not agree with a fork decision that an exchange is making, nice that, dick, you would Colin. Consider a, that you would also consider an attack. But this is not about what I think. It's about what Colin thinks. <laughs> Segway 2X, was Segway 2X an attack, Colin? Yeah, Colin, Colin and your dick. What's up? <laughs> I think you might have missed it. He's not even listening. Sorry. Sorry, my girlfriend came upstairs. What was that? Was Segway with 2X an attack? Yeah, totally. It was absolutely an attack. But how do you determine this? Uh, You determine an attack because it was a group of companies and exchanges and developers outside of the... uh, working outside of the usual social consensus to try to push upgrades that no one else on the network wanted. And not only did no one else on the network not want, no one else on the network even had a say to what those upgrades were. So it's not like they were going through GitHub, right, to get pull requests or to release code Mm. that would be released or that would be peer reviewed and would then be, uh, you know, rolled out in a software. Wasn't there some terrible inflation bug in Segwit2x or something? Yeah, like I mean, there, there was, there was like definitely, th- th- there were bugs that would have, you know, some say would have killed Bitcoin. Yeah, um, so I actually don't think that this actually is as relevant to proof of stake as as you think it is, Christian, because like you, they in proof of stake say agree. say two X happens, it's an own version on Ethereum, and then exchanges and and whatever all um, stake for one side and everyone else doesn't want that well then there'll be a chain split but if really there is consensus to not go with the coinbase gemini staking chain and do the other chain 
then everyone's going to stick with the old train. So just because the, the exchanges are staking doesn't mean that they actually get to pick the social consensus of which chain, chain to choose. Colin? I mean, I think I agree with that. Like, from what it seems like to me, it's like the whole staking thing is like pretty, at least from what I understand, is like going to work the same for everybody. And it's not like the exchanges are trying to push a different way of staking that's incompatible with the rest of the chain. And if, like he, like David was saying, if they were to do that, then it would just fork and then people would choose which one they want, which is kind of like 2x, I guess, but that doesn't really seem to be the situation here. Like I like the 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 danger of fork doesn't really seem to be presented, yeah. at least from what I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so, in, in this in this model, like miners are like how Bitcoiners say miners are just slaves to the nodes, stakers are just slaves to the nodes. And it's the nodes okay. that that no, define. I mean, nodes. that's definitely not true. Because, but here, uh, quick question: Does a exchange supporting an upgrade matter does it actually matter uh what do you mean like what kind of upgrade like does it matter for a segwit does it matter for make for side to die does it matter for a new eth hard fork does an exchange supporting it matter it depends on which exchange it is if it represents the majority of liquidity for that asset then one would say it does matter well, wouldn't, um, wouldn't their hand just be forced ultimately in the end? For, because of users? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, potentially. I mean, what, yes. what happens to DAI if they don't support the new DAI? If they just stay on SAI? If Kraken, if Coinbase, they don't support DAI? See, now, this is why DeFi is so fucking dope, is because like DAI matters much more for DeFi than it does for CeFi. And so like DAI is going to get adopted inside of Uniswap and inside of Oasis like much faster and like instantaneously. Um, and so like waiting for Coinbase to upgrade or maybe not upgrade to, to new DAI is, is somewhat irrelevant. Right. And I guess it doesn't even matter if they do decide to upgrade because the people using and the people creating CDPs, like they're not, they don't really care necessarily about going on Coinbase. Like you said, they're just going to go on to compound or something else. Right. It's the <laughs> upside like down. They don't want dollars. The upside down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you say, you say that exchanges supporting large financial nodes supporting your chain or your, your code change is, is irrelevant, has minimal impact. Do you actually believe that? Are you asking me or Colin? Either. Either of you. It seems like both of you think that. I mean, yeah. I, I think the only reason why I think it would be dangerous is just because this is where I will throw in, I think, a legit criticism is I think that it's very difficult for an average user to run a full node on Ethereum. So I think that that's probably where some of the challenges come in, um, you know, because it doesn't matter whether or not an exchange is supporting it if you can still run the code that you agree with, right? Or that you see as being the real code. Um, but if all of the nodes are being run by centralized entities, then that's where it would become a problem in my, in my mind. Yeah, uh, I'm not terribly concerned about, about that issue because we we're aware that it's an issue and are actively fixing it. But if that, if that does continue to become an issue, then, then sure. Um, well, how, how are nodes gonna work on ETH 2.0? Like, it's a lot lighter. 
Okay. But like they also don't validate the whole chain. Yeah, see, well, that's... beacon chain nodes do. But how, how is a beacon chain node going to be like a huge ass? Like no, like Eric Wall no. did this thing where it took him like two months mm-hmm. to stick an Ethereum full node. Yeah, right. And is that gonna, would that take me like? Would a beacon chain take me like a month? Like how long would that take? I'm not. We need to get Trent on here. Trent, are you in the chat? No. Um, uh, I'm not the person to ask about nodes. Um, okay. But but we, we have the same. Um, we have the same goals of Bitcoin where we want everyone to be able to run their own node. And so this is a design goal of, of Ethereum 2.0 for this to be very lightweight and easy. Like we've, we've been talking about like some of the uh, earliest questions. Like I, I remember Carl Florsch, uh, a plasma researcher talking about this with Vitalik and David Knott and some, some other developers like where they were talking about like, okay, do we like what choices do we want to make for users when it comes to running a node? Like, do we want to have an i5 processor or an i7 processor? Do we want this? Do we want it to be able to be run on consumer grade laptop or a consumer desktop computer? Like, these are the kinds of questions that they are being asked. But it's always consumer grade applications that you can buy right out the store. And so, when Ethereum two is being developed, it's being developed with like, okay, do we want it to be able to be run by a two hundred dollar processor or a one hundred dollar processor or you know, a $250 SSD or a $150 SSD? Like these are the questions, not do we want a fucking EOS node to run our beacon chain versus a consumer grain laptop? Like it's, it's all consumer hardware. It's all about those nodes though, man. Sovereignty in a box, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it's um, about running your server, right? Um, again, I, I do think it, it's interesting that you, you say like we want the same thing, but I think it's very different than creating the same effect, right? Bitcoin is all about like really, really minimizing the bandwidth it takes to download the being able to run it on as cheap as uh, hardware as possible. And if hardware gets better, then you can get nodes on your phone. You know, you don't necessarily have to have nodes on your computer or it has to be a solid state like hardware is going to keep getting better and that's just going to make it easier and easier for everyone to have their own copy. And I see some people in here in the chat talking about, Hey, you know, it took Eric wall a, a month to download an archival node. We had Anthony on here who was, uh, used to be with the, the ETH, uh, classic cooperative. And he explained that the actual criticism is not necessarily keeping all the States and the state history. It's about, uh, trustlessly validating from the beginning, right? Are you trusting who you got the information from in terms of, you know, which node you're syncing it from, or did you actually validate it from the beginning? It's not necessarily about keeping all of the states and maintaining a full archival node. Um, yeah. That's I, really I'm, interesting part of it. Again, I, I'm, I'm personally very interested to see like, okay, so ETH2 is designing this perfect system that can be run on all this consumer hardware, but at the same time, you know, Bitcoin has more and more nodes every single day. Like what actually matters for this network is creating this unstoppable monetary unit, this unstoppable monetary system that is to the nth degree decentralized, right? Uh, all the way out to the fringes. Like you could not kill the ledger, uh, the ledger state if you could, if you tried, right? It would take literally knocking out all the power on earth to do it. And then building a financial system on top of that, on top of that unit. That's what Bitcoin is about. That's what maximum decentralization is about. And everything else, depending on the use case, depending on how censorship resistant it needs to be, will have a range of viable decentralization. 
in my opinion. So, so going from like 5,000 nodes to 10,000 nodes is not nearly as important as going from like 1,000 nodes to 2,000 nodes. Like at some point, we don't need that many notes. And like, sure, more is better, but like you're not to drop in the bucket at some point in time. I would, I, would dis I would disagree though, in the sense that like, if we go back to like Segwit2x as an example, the more people running the software means that if something like 2x were to happen again, the more democratic the vote to choose the next chain is, right? And like for each user, like for the average user, who's not running a node, they actually, if they're not running a node, they don't have a say on whether or not they want 2X or the legacy chain, right? But, but that's the node, not where their say comes in. Their say comes it is in worth, with, with what token that they buy and what token that they don't, and when what token that they sell. If everyone sells right, the 2X, it doesn't point, matter what the nodes do. My point being, what it does matter though, because if you had enough people running, like let's say that you had um, the attackers trying to push something like 2X, if they somehow created or maintained enough infrastructure to represent 50% of the nodes on the network, mm -hmm. then they could effectively split the value of the coin. But the more people you have running nodes to push back against that 50% consensus from the people who are attacking the main chain, you know, the less valuable that other coin becomes, right? Can you just sock puppet a bunch of nodes though? Can't you just, how that's much does it cost to spin up like a thousand nodes on AWS? Well, that's what I'm saying is, is, is these attackers could do exactly that. And they could give the false impression that more nodes want this coin than actually do and give the false impression that there's market demand for something. Right. That, so it's market demand, right? It's market demand, not number of nodes. Yeah. But it, it gives a, it, it gives faulty numbers. Right. So I do agree yeah. with you. Like it is, there are market uh, principles that would actually drive the adoption or demand for certain mm -hmm. currencies. But if, if you're looking at statistics that say 50% of the nodes in the network are signaling for this hard fork, then you might have the idea that this is the hard fork or even if it's 60% and it's really just, you know, uh, you know, 20 companies. So I would jump in here too. I would jump in here too. I would actually say that having more nodes, actually it solidifies not being able to upgrade, right? Not, to, not mm -hmm. being able to coordinate a change, right? So if you have yeah, right. 5,000 nodes, you could potentially coordinate all 5,000 of those people. But I think that that, like, I think Ansel actually correctly uh, described that as an attack. Like you are attacking the rule set, right? So having mm -hmm. infinitely more nodes just makes that impossible. And some people would consider that to be calcification, but we want to calcify the rules of the game, in my opinion. And maybe... That is really the crux of the argument, right? Is at one point, do you want to calcify the rules? And I'm sure that there's going to be people in the ETH community that want to calcify the rules at some point. And maybe the exchanges don't agree with that. Maybe other people don't agree with that. But as long as the strategy is to coordinate and then change the rules, there's always going to be a level of subjectivity that I think makes for bad money, personally. Also, sorry, I want to cut in. I'm going to go because my... Uh, girlfriend's parents are still here visiting for Thanksgiving. I don't want to be rude, but still wanted to kind of jump in on this because uh, uh, this is pretty fun. I like the concept. Uh, to anyone who's watching right now, follow CK Snarks, follow Trustless State, follow POV Crypto, best balanced cryptocurrency podcast in the game. Uh, and anyway, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Colin. Peace. Peace. And on that, I think we should wrap up. Shall we?
unless Auntie finally wants to come on. No, he's not. He's, no, he's he just wants to, he wants to just troll and chat like he always does. <laughs> okay right, everyone thanks on. for coming and joining us for our 100th episode glad we finally got live streaming up and out uh, i think christian and i kind of tentatively agreed that we're going to do this every friday or every sunday at the same time uh so mark it on your calendars uh sundays at 5 p.m pst yeah not 100 percent yet but hopefully we can keep up that that calendar we're going to try to be doing more fight nights and uh be more selective with the interviews for uh all the shows beyond show 100 thanks for sticking around guys make sure to follow the show at pov crypto pod make sure to follow both of us and you know you can still donate to the links like those uh those, those addresses don't expire even though the the fundraiser has expired yeah the we fun right the fundraiser expires us. right now i'm gonna go shave right now it's gonna be great i'll post the before after photo i'm looking very much forward to it 